Deuteronomy chapter 29, continuing our study through Deuteronomy. I'm hopeful to look at chapters 29 and 30 tonight. We'll see how it goes. Let's go ahead and take a look. We'll remember, um, this is Moses, some of his last words to the children of Israel. Uh, He's getting ready to go and be with the Lord. His ministry is coming to a close. He's getting ready to hand off the leadership to Joshua. And uh, they've been out in the wilderness now 40 years. They're at the border getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses is now restating the law that was given back uh, 40 years earlier. And now he's restating it, reinstituting it, if you will, uh, making it fresh in the heart and mind of this new generation that has come up and getting ready to go into the promised land. Take a look with me now, chapter 29, beginning in verse 1. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and the great and those great wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. Interesting that Moses reminds them of the things that they have seen. And of course, uh, many of them would have heard this. Maybe some of them were just children. Uh, during this time because this is something of a new generation that has come up. But certainly they, they knew the details of what God had done in the land of Egypt. And he says, though, though you have seen these things, yet God has not yet given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear. Even in seeing the works and the miracles of the Lord, they do not fully perceive these things yet in their heart. Because ultimately it is the Lord by His Spirit that must open the heart the eyes and ears to fully perceive what the Lord is doing and the saving work of our lives. You know, it reminded me of a passage in Ephesians. You don't need to turn, but the Apostle Paul would talk to these believers in Ephesus, and this was his prayer for them, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. You see, the Apostle Paul also understood that to fully comprehend in the heart those things that God has done for us in His saving works must be revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And Moses is saying this to the children of Israel. You've, you've seen a lot of miracles, but God has not yet fully shown you and not allowed your heart to completely perceive. There is more that God wants to reveal to you. And so Paul would say to the Christians in Ephesus, I'm praying that God will show you all the things that He has accomplished for you. That the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart would be opened. Because it's not enough just to know the facts or to have seen, even in their case, miracles. It, must, it requires the revelation of God, the Holy Spirit really opening the heart and mind to the fullness of God. You know, maybe you've noticed this even in your own Christian journey. I know that I have, that God has in time revealed more and more of His truth to me. It's not that I have learned anything new about what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross when I was first saved. A very simple truth, very profound and powerful. I I, I heard it, I believed it, I embraced it. But now having walked with the Lord, it seems that the Lord has just made that truth richer and fuller and opened my eyes in greater detail, giving my heart opportunity to perceive. And so it is in in our walk with the Lord that We need the Lord to continue to open the eyes of our heart. And it can also be something of a judgment as well. There is the truth and biblical principle that if we are not receptive to the truth that God does reveal, then He doesn't reveal more truth to us. In other words, if having seen the truth of God, you've kind of hardened your heart against it, well then God does not now open up more truth to you. 
You remember what Paul said in Romans one twenty one. because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, Jesus would often say when He was preaching, let him who has ears to hear, hear. More than just the physical ears of hearing the words of truth, he was saying, listen, you need the Holy Spirit. You need God to give you spiritual ears. You need to hear these things in your heart. And the more that you respond to the truth of God in your heart, I believe the more God will speak and reveal things of truth to your heart. But if you resist and you ignore and you harden and you take for granted that which God is showing and that which God is speaking then you know what? God doesn't open up more to you. And there may be some of that here for the children of Israel too. It may be something of a, of a rebuke to them. I can't be sure of the, of the, of the tone here. But you know, you've seen all these miracles, but God has not yet shown you the real perceptions of the heart. And it may be because they had not yet fully given their heart to the truth that God had already revealed to them. But let's read on, picking it up with me now in verse 5. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sihon king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Just a reminder of His faithful provision. You know, we've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Your clothes have never worn out. Your sandals have never worn out. God has miraculously provided for you. Now, you may be tired of wearing that same outfit after 40 years, but it is a miracle that it's not worn out and that it's still servicing. And not only that, but you've never had, you haven't had opportunity to harvest wheat and, or, or plant vineyards. You know, God has miraculously... You've been out in the wilderness, a place that you should not be able to survive even 40 days, less, let alone 40 years. God has provided, be reminded today, God says to His people, how faithful He has been, and let that be the occasion for you. Therefore, He says in verse 9, keep the words of this covenant and do them. God loves you. God's cared for you. God has shown Himself strong in your life. Therefore, serve Him. Give your life to Him. Devote your life in obedience to Him and to His Word. Pick it up in verse 10. We see some, something more of God's heart for this people. All of you stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water. You're all here, the whole company being represented, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into His oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today. Why? That He may establish you today as a people for Himself. That He may be God to you, just as He has spoken to you. And just as He has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has called you to this covenant relationship, Israel, because He wants to fashion, He wants to make, establish a people for Himself. He wants to be your God, just as He was to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in the same way that He was God to them in a personal way, so He wants to be God to this people as a nation. You hear the love of God's heart. You hear the the relationship that God is looking for with His people. That you would belong to me, that you would be mine, and that I would be your God. And God is now calling them to this loving covenant of mutual love and relationship. The Lord establishing a people for Himself. But not only for just this people, but He now, look with me, verse 14, He speaks even into future generations. I make this covenant and this oath 
not with you alone, but with Him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with Him who is not here with us today. God saying to the people, I'm making this covenant with you that are here, but also with those who are not here. Speaking of future generations to come. God's covenant would be something that would last generation upon generation. It was to last eternal for the nation. And so God, I believe, speaks into our lives that, you know, not only is God wanting to do a work in our life today, but I believe that God wants to do something through our lives that will affect generations to come. Sunday evening, we were blessed to go down to the memorial service for Pastor Chuck down at the Honda Center in Anaheim. It was a wonderful service. Uh, Just a great, great group of people there, large crowd and a number of uh, pastors that uh, many of them you would know, well-known pastors, radio pastors, uh, Greg Laurie. Uh, Raul Reese, a number of very you know, well-known pastors, all sharing their personal testimony and how you know, Pastor Chuck had touched their lives and how his ministry had left such a legacy. And now this generation that were just kids when he was ministering, now they've grown up and now they're the ministering generation, but they're now passing it on to the next generation. And this is what the Lord has in mind, I believe, in the Christian community as well that we would leave a legacy, that we would be salt and light not only to this generation, our day, but that we would pass it on to the next generation, raising our children to know the Lord, investing our lives now in young people's lives. Who is going to carry the torch of the faith 20 years from now? Who's going to represent Christ in the United States and proclaim the Word of God 30 years from now? God is saying, listen, I'm making this covenant with you and with those to come. God God sees all out through the ages. And what He's doing even now, I believe, often is in relationship to what He's going to be doing in time. Our lives are related to the next generation. Our faith, our example our choices, our lifestyle, those things that we would teach and pass on concerning truth and doctrine to our children, to the next generation. What an important uh, responsibility we have to live for the Lord, not only for our time, but for those that are watching, those younger ones coming up that need that example. He also issues a warning here. Look with me now in verse 16. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt, and that we came through the nations which you passed by. And you saw their abominations and their idols which were among them, wood and stone and silver and gold. So that they may not be among you, man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations." And that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. A strong warning here from Moses to the people. Listen, you saw what happened to Egypt. You saw the judgment that God brought upon them as a nation, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. You, just a group of slaves, and yet God gave you deliverance and victory and routed them. You've also walked through and seen these other nations in our journeys, and you've seen their idols. You've seen how they're, they're worshiping false gods and making little false idols. Almost as if God is saying, look, I've let you see enough of the false so that you would know this is not what you need to be doing, not what you should be pursuing. Learn the lessons of those that clearly are not walking with God, lest your heart be drawn away to serve those same idols. And it gives a very, very, I think, uh, insightful warning here. He talks about a root that might bear bitterness 
and wormwood. Wormwood, another word for poison. He says, be careful. Lest something begin to root in your heart. Something that begins to take root, as you know, if you don't deal with it in time, that root can become much more intrusive and invasive in your life. And here's, what it, here's the way it starts. You, you hear the Word, but you're not really willing or thinking you need to heed the Word. In his heart, he blesses himself. I don't need to follow this. I'll have peace. I can follow the dictates of my own heart. I can do what I want. I can handle it. It's not going to affect me. I'm going to be blessed. God's still going to take care of me. Paul, the, the, Moses says, guys, don't, don't let that root sneak in. I can do what I want. I can disregard the Lord's word and command. I can follow the dictates of my own heart and still have his blessing. I can compromise a little, still be blessed. I can handle it. I can manage it secretly. I will have peace. Oh, there's the warning. Don't let. And notice how he says that he says in his heart. God knows that a lot of these musings go on secretly in the heart. He doesn't say it out loud. He doesn't openly rebel. You would not know it, but God who sees the heart says, Be careful lest this thing begin to take root. Where? In your heart. You begin to muse these things. You begin to think these thoughts. Often, you know, the road to actions begin with thoughts. There's a parable. I'm trying to remember. It just came to mind. Hopefully I can remember it. You know, uh, sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a destiny. These things start with saying things in your heart. I'll have peace. I'll be blessed. I can follow the dictates of my own heart. I can do what I want. It won't happen to me. It won't catch up with me. I can manage it. I don't agree with God's Word about that. That's a little strict. That's a little severe. I can date a non-believer. It's okay. Oh, I can have sexual relationships before or outside of marriage. I, I mean, nobody's perfect. You know, I can just divorce this person if it doesn't work out. I can watch these images. I can handle a little drug use, a little drinking. I can have, I'm going to have peace. I want to enjoy some of these idols of the world. I don't need to keep myself from what others are doing and enjoying. A little dabbling won't hurt me. I wrote out just some of the common things that people think and muse in their hearts, and the Word of God is warning, don't think this. Because that root, it's going to bring bitterness. It's going to bring wormwood. It's going to produce, it's going to become a poison in your life. It's going to affect you. We look on, and and he talks now through the rest of the chapter about really the judgment that the Lord will not spare those that turn away from Him. That's why He's warning so so carefully. Verse uh, 23. Excuse me. Is that right? Where am I? What verse are we on? (laughs) Verse 20? Okay. The Lord would not spare him... For then the anger of the Lord and His jealousy would burn against that man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out His name from under heaven, and the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law, so that the coming generation of your children who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a far land would say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sickness which the Lord has laid on it, the whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It is not sown, nor does it bear, nor does any grass grow there. They are overthrow, uh, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zebo, Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in His anger and in His wrath. All nations would say, Why has the Lord done so to this land? What does the heat of this great anger mean? Then the people would say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which He made with them when He brought them out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, 
gods that they did not know and that had not given he had not given to them then the anger of the lord was aroused against this land to bring on it every curse that is written in this book and the lord uprooted them from their land in anger in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day He gives the warning, don't let these things begin to root in the heart because the Lord will not spare him. The one that abandons the Lord, the one that rejects his covenant, his word, his command, and goes after his own heart and ends up worshiping false other gods. God will not only deal with this, that individual, but he will deal with the nation that goes astray from God. And he says not only will he deal with that individual, but he will make the individual, and and if the nation follows, he will make that whole nation something of an example. So that others will come and say, what happened here? What happened to this great nation? What happened to this people that we heard so much about? That God miraculously brought and delivered out of Egypt. Brought them through the wilderness and gave them great victory and and gave them this beautiful land and they prospered and they were blessed. What happened here? Because now they'll look upon the land and, and it will be desolate. There will be nothing there of value. And, this, and, and Moses says, in that day when that happens, the answer will be because they forsook the Lord. You know, I think it was Mark Twain who visited the land of Israel uh, before Israel was back in the land, before the people back in 1948 came to the land. And I think he wrote of it, you know, this place is desolate. Who would want this place? It's barren. Nothing grows here. There's nothing here. This land flowing with milk and honey had become and would become ultimately this land that is barren and a wasteland. Now the people are back in the land. God is doing something again in the land. God is bringing the people back. We want to talk about that a little bit here in the next chapter. But you see that that the warning is clear. You see, God is very specific and very, very graphic, really, about the warnings of the consequences if these people would turn their back on Him and reject Him. It's not that they didn't know. They're not going to be able to say, I had no idea, I never knew. God is making it very clear and giving them a very clear choice. And I think this is true today. Romans chapter 1 said, listen, no one will be without excuse. Or no no excuse. They, They will be, excuse me, they will be without excuse. No excuse will be valid. God has given testimony in the heart of every man that He exists. Creation itself speaks and declares of His invisible attributes. But when men suppress the truth, when they reject, when they do not want the grace and goodness of God, they are without excuse. They can't say, well, God, you never gave me a choice. The truth is, even in the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, He gives them this clear warning, this clear choice. Now, He says something here at the end. And uh, verse 29, we'll close this chapter, and I wanted to just comment on this last verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God has kept some things secret. Moses said, listen, God has not revealed everything to us. There is much of God that is, remains a mystery. I would say that's true today as well. God, there are secret things that God has kept, and they belong to the Lord. But God has also revealed much. And in in Moses' context, he's saying belongs to us, to Israel. God has revealed so much to His people Israel. God has made Himself known. He has given us His law, His word. This This would be the testimony of the Israelites. He's made promise of a Messiah. Jesus has come through the nation of Israel. So it's not that they don't know. Yes, God has kept some things secret, but God has also revealed much, and they belong to us and to our children forever. Why? That we may do all the words of this law. God has revealed Himself to men. 
God has especially revealed himself to the nation of Israel. And God has revealed himself to the world through the nation of Israel. And I believe even today, the nation of Israel is speaking to the world concerning God. God has made known what is needed for life and peace, for salvation. Yes, some things remain secret. But God has revealed his love, his plan for salvation. Jesus died on the cross. It was not done in a corner. It was not done in secret. It is a well-proclaimed message. It was done in public and it was done in a way wherein the whole message could fill the earth. And so God today continues to give, I believe, choice. He's giving this nation of Israel, listen, God has made it so clear to you. He's been so faithful to you that you might choose Him, that you might serve Him. He's been so very clear about the warnings if you, do, if you reject Him. And how it even starts in that little uh, saying things in your heart. But he says, God will not spare them. God wants you to serve Him by choice. Let's look now quickly at chapter 30. We'll finish tonight in chapter 30. Because now he speaks about the blessings of coming back. So he, he said, listen, if you fall away, and of course it turns out to be prophetic, they do ultimately as a nation fall away, and they are removed from the land. And yet, look at this beautiful promise. Pick it up with me in verse 1 of chapter 30. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey His voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there He will bring you. And then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And also the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and all those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all His commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, and the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as He rejoiced over your fathers." If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, to keep His commandments and His statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. What a beautiful promise of restoration for those whose hearts will return and obey the Lord. He gives this strong and graphic warning in chapter 29. And he said, listen, he will, God, will, God will judge you. As you. If you reject Him, He will judge you. He will drive you out of the land. He will scatter you among the nations. But if in your heart you come back to the Lord and you cry out to God and you return in earnest to Him, returning in a desire to obey and walk with Him, He will gather you from the farthest places of the earth and bring you back and restore you. And He will bless you in that place. And he will, he will care for you. And, not, and the curses that were on you will now be upon your enemies. And He will bless you in every way. It's a beautiful picture of God's redemptive heart. How God wants to save that which was lost. How He wants to recover that which has been forfeited through sin and disobedience. If, if there will be just a returning in the heart. You know, this would happen in the nation of Israel. They would be driven from the land. They would be restored back into the land after 70 years of captivity. But again, they would harden their hearts. And Jesus actually prophesied that they would, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you, you did not recognize the time of your visitation and how I wanted to gather you, but you would not. And 
prophesied of the coming destruction of of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD and for 2,000 years again, the people, the Jewish people were scattered and out of the land. What's interesting is even during these last 2,000 years, the Jewish people, without a homeland, without a place to call home, for over 2,000 years, they have continued to maintain their identity, their culture, their heritage, their language, their faith. God has continued to preserve His people, although they're scattered to all corners of the earth, without a homeland, no place to come and kind of gather and assemble and and populate. But all throughout the earth, God has still kept them. And now, in in our time, we have seen, once again, a regathering. They're coming back to the land been to Israel a couple of times, and I want to tell you, the land today is fruitful. It is bountiful. They have, they have made what was barren. And when Tom uh, Mark Twain uh, saw it, yeah, it has become this fruitful, bountiful country. They have planted trees. They have planted orchards and vineyards. It is a prospering, fruitful place. Beautiful. And here is this promise that God returning once again the people to the land. God still has something in mind for the nation of Israel. God still has something in mind for His people. Now spiritually, they are still not really, they're still kind of in the dark. They have not yet seen Christ as Messiah. But there are promises for them that in the future they too will look upon Him whom they pierced and they will see that He is their Messiah as well. The Bible talks of a great coming to faith. He said, you know, in Romans, Paul said, you know, we were grafted in. You know, the, the original olive tree was Israel. But we were grafted in. And, and, and how fruitful the Gentile church, you know, the, church, the age of the church, how fruitful and bountiful it has been. And he said, you know, if, if the grafted in branches have been so fruitful, think of what the restoration of the original branches will be. So he speaks of this great blessing yet to come for the nation of Israel. And God has preserved them all these years. And that's why we're watchful of of what's happening today as we see Israel back in the land. I mean, that should be something of a spiritual awakening, a spiritual call that God is working again in the earth concerning this nation. And we know that there are many end-time prophecies related to the nation of Israel. We must be close. Israel is there. The stage is set. But here we see these beautiful promises. We see the heart of God. That that God's promise for this people, even though they would rebel and they would reject, His heart is still to save them. Somehow to save them. And I think that that's the Lord's heart in our lives as well. And we make it hard on Him sometimes, don't we? We make it very difficult for Him. We do all that we can to try and not be saved. But I think the Lord is determined to save. And I believe that the Lord wants to save. That God is not reluctant to bring these... You you see it in these verses. If you'll but turn your heart, oh, I will bless you. I will bring you back. I will plant you. I will establish you. I will again establish a people for myself and I will be your God. And this is the heart of God, I think, even into the life of those today that that maybe have turned their back on the Lord. Maybe at one time you walked with the Lord and you had a time of fruitfulness in your life, but then you, you drifted away. You, you let bitterness begin to root in your heart and begin to take you and lead you away. And, and you've now, now you've been driven from that good promised land of faithful, fruitful living in the Lord. And your, your life is spun out. And you're wondering, is there any way back? Is the road back too far, too hard? Does the Lord even want me back? And I think these passages tell us clearly, oh yes, He wants you back if you will but turn your heart to Him. Return your heart to the Lord and cry out to Him. He will bring you back and plant you and establish you and restore you and recover you. This is the heart of God. 
a saving God, a merciful God, a long-suffering. Do you know how long the Lord has watched over Israel? Do you know how long these promises have, have held their meaning? Do you know how many times the nation of Israel has cycled through disobedience and having to return? Do you, do you know how, how, how much they have stretched His patience? But God is merciful and patient and long-suffering. Now God is not interested in bringing someone back whose heart is not returning, but to the heart that is genuine. You see it through the passage there with, with your whole heart. If you're sincere, if you truly desire the Lord, oh, I believe the Lord wants to, to save. I don't think it's ever too late. God has a future for Israel yet today. I believe He has a future for even the backslider here today. If you're here tonight and you need to come back to the Lord, I want to encourage you, turn your heart to Him. He wants to save. He wants to establish and recover you. Let's finish up here in chapter 30. Pick it up with me in verse 11. He sets before them, kind of the conclusion of these thoughts is now this clear choice that He has laid before them. For this commandment, which I command you today, it is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. Okay, It's not hidden. It's not some secret. Verse 12, It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. You don't have to send a messenger to heaven to, to get this truth. Verse 13, Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and to do it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. The Lord has made His truth available to you. It is not secret. It is not something far away. It is not some buried treasure and some mystery island. It is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Verse 15, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. You hear the clear, the clear choice that Moses gives them, and you also hear this appeal, this strong urge, choose the Lord. God has laid before you this choice, Israel. If you obey, you'll be blessed, you and your descendants. If you reject, you will be cursed. You will; These things will befall you. Now today we live, we don't live under the old covenant law. We don't live under this land covenant that Israel lived under. We don't live under this same uh, blessing, cursing option in obedience and disobedience. We live in a better covenant. We live under a covenant that has been instituted in Christ, where we have a mediator, that if we sin, we have someone that can stand in the gap for us, that if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We really do live under a better covenant that has been appropriated by Jesus Christ Himself. But even in our Christian life, even in our new covenant of grace, you know that there are choices that we make as believers. And certainly you know that some choices will not lead you to blessing. 
You may be a believer. You may even be forgiven. You may even, uh, you know, you may ultimately enjoy heaven as a believer. But there are choices in this life that will bring about consequences. And then there are choices in this life that will bring about blessing and fruit. The Bible says God is not mocked that a man will reap what he sows. And that there are, there are works of the flesh that reap corruption. And there are also works, or we shall say, fruit of the Spirit that flow from a life yielded to the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you tonight that, you know, just as, as clear as these choices were before the children of Israel, I believe that the choices are clear before us as well. It has been my experience that in most cases, my own life included, it's not that I didn't know better. It's just that I didn't do better. It's not that I didn't know what was right. It's just that I chose not to do what was right. It wasn't really a matter of of knowledge as much as it was a decision of the heart. And so I encourage you tonight to, to consider the choices that are before you. Make them prayerfully. Make them in the Word. God, you, you know, most of the time, listen, sometimes, you know, you, you need to wait and, and look for a decision, but almost all the time, you know. Obey the Lord. You won't be disappointed in that. Follow the Lord. And I also want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you have made some wrong choices, I want to encourage you just as... Chapter 30 begins, you know, turn your heart to the Lord. Call out on Him right now, right here. Come back to the Lord. Get right with God tonight. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to recover that which is lost and wants to bless you right here, replant you in the promised land. And for the believer, that's a life, the land of living uh, a life in the Spirit under the blessings of God, a fruitful, joyful, peaceful life in relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your words to us tonight. We thank You for these chapters that speak so pointedly to the nation of Israel and the choices that You set before them. The warnings are there. The urging is there. The promises are there. The, but, but also, Lord, the, the opportunity to return is there. The mercy, the grace, the long-suffering. And Lord, I, I do believe that we have much to learn from these two chapters here tonight. And God, even as I was preparing for tonight, I felt very strongly that You would be speaking to hearts tonight that needed to make a clear choice. And as our heads are bowed here tonight, I I just believe that there are some of you here tonight and, and you know who you are and the Lord, I believe, would be speaking to you now. That He has set before you some clear choices, maybe even a crossroad in your life. And He is giving you a clear understanding. It's not a, it's not a confused state. It's, it's not like you're deceived. But God is, is asking you to choose life. He's asking you to trust Him. Not to pursue the dictates of your own heart. But to yield and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ who loves you and gave Himself for you. He loves you so much that He died on the cross for your sins. So there are some, I think, here tonight needing that are at a crossroad, needing to make a decision, and I believe you know in your heart which one leads to life and which one will, br- will bring about that bitterness. I also believe there are some need to come back to the Lord. There may even be some here that need to come and make a decision for Christ, maybe the first time in their life. And I think the Lord wants to speak to you. I felt it so strongly in my preparing 
for these for this study that I, I wanted to leave, and that's why I closed a little early on my teaching. I, I wanted to leave a moment here at the end just to speak to you candidly. And I feel that there are some here tonight that you simply need to make a choice. It's time to choose. For those of you that do not have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're here, you've been invited, maybe you've come to visit, you've come, you're hurting, you had a need, and and you've never really surrendered to Christ, and the choice is clear. And the invitation tonight, I believe by the Spirit of God, is strong. And He invites you to come to Jesus. Be forgiven. Turn your heart. Let Him plant you in in the promised land of a relationship with Him. And if you're here tonight and that's, that's your situation and you want to choose Jesus, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond because I want to pray for you. But I want to include in that group for prayer those that need to come back to the Lord. And there may be some here tonight that you have gone astray You've followed the dictates of your own heart. You knew better. You're a Christian. You're a believer. But today, tonight, you have found yourself driven far, not so much by God, but by your own choices and your own doings. And you are now reaping that consequence. And God is calling you home tonight. And He wants to restore you. And you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Jesus. And I want to pray for you too. If you're here tonight, and you need to receive Jesus Christ for the very first time, or you need to rededicate and recommit your life to Him, tonight I'm going to ask you to stand up where where you are. I felt like the Lord wanted me to make a very clear choice and that you would stand in clear choice. If you're here tonight and you need Jesus for the first time or you need to rededicate your life to Him, I'm going to ask you just to stand right where you're seated. Get up from your seat and stand up. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Several are standing. I'm going to give a moment. I, I, church, you know this is not my normal uh, service closing, but tonight I felt like the Lord really wants some clear choice made by hearts. No more games. No more playing church. No more pretending. No more going through the motions. No more thinking it'll, it'll, it'll work out. But no, I need the Lord. I need Him now. I need to come back to Him. And God is calling you clear tonight. Make a clear stand for Him. Anyone else before I pray? The sense is there might be a couple, few more. I'm just going to give it a moment. We've got a little extra time. There are several standing. It's not to embarrass you. This is business between you and the Lord. Anyone else? Just before I pray, stand right now if you need to. Amen. 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 going to pray. And those of you that are standing, I'd like you to to believe this with me. I can only share with you what the Lord put in my heart for you tonight. That He really wants to save. He wants to bless you. He wants to He wants to plant you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to heal you. He wants to touch you. And that's why I felt it so strongly to really call you to a strong decision tonight, a real uh, clear commitment. So I'm going to pray. 
And so, Lord, as you put it in my heart today, I do believe you're confirming these hearts tonight that you stand before us with a choice. Every man has got to come to this crossroad concerning Jesus. And so here tonight, Lord, those that have stood, they're standing because they want Jesus. It may be for some they need you in their life for the very first time. And Lord, we would simply say, come into our hearts, forgive us. Cleanse us from the past. Cleanse us from the way we've been going. We turn from that. We are choosing life tonight. We are choosing to believe in Christ and what He has accomplished at the cross. Forgive me of my sins. Save me to the uttermost. And may it be now in my heart. Others, I know that they are standing because they are to the Lord, making a clear choice I've not been steady in my walk. I've not been clear in my choice. I've been straddling. I've been lukewarm. Maybe I've been really uh, just following the dictates of my heart and I find myself in a distant land and I need to come home. And tonight's the night. God is calling your heart home. And here the promise that He's told those Israelites Know that that promise is true to the church. If you will turn, turn in your heart, obey my word, I will bring you back. And I will plant you. And I will establish you. And I will bless you. Fill your life with goodness. And so, Lord, meet these hearts tonight. For those that are coming home, Jesus, we come back to you. We come back to the only place we've ever known. peace. Forgive us, Lord, for our waywardness. Forgive us for saying in our hearts that we could somehow follow the dictates of our own heart and still have peace, still be blessed. Lord, it hasn't worked. And we're coming home tonight because we need You and we want to walk with You in truth and in sincerity. Tonight with Your love. Just like that prodigal son, while he was still a long ways off, the father ran out and embraced him and loved him and welcomed him home with celebration. So, Lord, may heaven bring these into their heart. Bring them to home tonight and may they sense the love and the joy and the peace that you have for them. God, we thank you for your work in us. We thank you for the love that you have for us all and your commitment to save. In Jesus' name.